BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hey, welcome to the Blonde Files podcast. I'm your host, Arielle Laurie, and I'm here to talk all things wellness. From how to achieve optimal health and well-being to the best beauty tips and everything in between, no topic is off limits and I'm bringing it to you real and unfiltered. I know there is so much information out there, so I'm here to help you navigate it all. Thanks for listening. Let's get into it. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the show. I brought him back. One of your favorite guests, one of my favorite people, Harley Pasternak. He is, of course, a celebrity trainer and nutritionist. He has a master of science in exercise physiology and nutritional sciences. He has an honors degree in kinesiology. He is an author. He has books, including Five Factor Fitness, Five Factor Diet, Five Factor World Diet, Body Reset Diet, Body Reset Diet Cookbook. And he has a new book coming out, not for a little while though. So that was like a little teaser, I guess. And probably most notably, he is my trainer, although I haven't been to him in quite a while, but that's due to some outside circumstances. But anyway, we wanted to really just address your questions because you guys had so many follow-up questions after he came on the show last time. So if you haven't listened to that episode, make sure you go back. Um, I believe it was in January. I would have to double check, but if you just search Harley Pasternak or go on my website, you'll be able to find it. So we just did a Q&A with the questions that you guys sent in on Instagram. So we cover nutrition really in depth. We break down diet fads, intermittent fasting, how to still eat real dessert. We talk a lot about fat loss, gut health. And then of course, we also dive into fitness and the body and the role genetics play in how we look, how to tone different areas of the body specifically, and what workout tips he tells his celebrity clients. We also get into like a little bit of celebrity tea without naming names at the end. So make sure you stay tuned for that and enjoy the episode. Welcome, Harley. I mean, it's a very formal welcoming. Thank you. <laughs> very legit. Welcome back. Very excited to have you here. And I know the listeners are excited too. So I was just talking to you before we started recording about kind of how we're going to do this. And I thought because we had so many questions based off of the first episode and people just following you, we're just going to do like a Q&A. So. Oh, Ariel. Oh, <laughs> I didn't re- for everyone who can't see this, Harley just put his glasses on and he can finally I just see. put my glasses on. I got these at CVS. 
But I just feel like I look smarter. So when I answer questions, I'm going to wear these. They do make you look smarter. Right? Look at that. Too bad it's a podcast and nobody is going to (laughs) know. Trust me, if everyone is listening, I look really smart right now. (laughs) Okay, cool. Well, I'm going to try to break this up into nutrition first and then fitness second. But obviously, they're very interrelated. That was just my way of trying to categorize and make sense of all of the questions that we got. So I'm just going to dive into it here. Okay. First question was, is it possible to damage and repair your metabolism? Damaging? Yes. A lot of people who try and lose weight by just cutting their calories and overdoing cardio, they can lose lean muscle tissue, cause other hormonal activities that can slow down the resting metabolism. And can you repair that? You can through eating enough of the right foods, through resistance exercise, building your metabolism back up. Sometimes there's some gut health things that you do to your body that are negative. People do too many cleanses and fasts and take weird supplements that can hurt their their gut health, but you can also restore your gut health by eating probiotics and prebiotics and making smart food choices. So yes, you can damage, but I think you can repair. Can you talk about how gut health affects your metabolism? Like, how does that work? Yeah, there, that's a whole area. Uh, and gut health can be a number of things, but our digestive system starts in our mouth. So when we eat foods, the digestion process begins there through mastication, which is chewing, through the secretion of different enzymes in our mouth that helps begin the breakdown of food. Some absorption, actually, of nutrients starts to occur in our mouths, goes down through our esophagus, through peristalsis, these wave-like contractions that move the bolus or basically the chewed food down through here towards our stomach where there's acids that help break down food even further. There's some absorption and then most absorption continues to happen down towards our intestine. And in there you have really, when we talk about gut health, we talk about these, this bacteria, these millions and millions of different bacteria that live in our gut or in our intestine that help break down food and make the nutrients bioavailable to us so that we can actually utilize them, uptake them and absorb them. And quite often um, we do things through, well, through lifestyle and genetically can predispose us to certain gut health challenges. So by eating the right foods, by getting sleep, by staying hydrated, by avoiding certain things, you can actually help with that gut health, which can affect your mood, believe it or not, Gut health can affect every disease you can imagine from various cancers to heart disease. Gut health can affect our energy. Uh, so gut health is, is very important. Okay. I want to rewind a little bit because we did talk about nutrition and, and some of this stuff in the first episode, but we still got so many questions around it. So you kind of don't subscribe to a lot of the maybe nutrition trends and maybe a lot of the practices that people, especially in LA do where it's like gluten-free, dairy-free, refined sugar-free, you're probably on board with that, soy-free, corn-free, like this very restrictive diet. So for you, what is like an ideal day of eating? What does that look like? Good question. I have three meals and two snacks a day. For me, that's that works well for me. Also, for those of you who can't see right now, I am on an Aeron chair, one of those, those Henry Miller Aeron chairs, and I pressed the wrong lever. And now I'm all of a sudden disappearing and falling back. I don't even know what I did. Oh, that helps. <laughs> a typical day for me, I wake up in the morning and I'll either have one of three breakfasts. I'll have a smoothie. 
my apple pie smoothie from the Body Reset Diet, or I'll have a scramble with one whole egg and four whites and a scramble with a bunch of vegetables and red peppers and yellow peppers and spinach. And and I'll have uh, two slices of high fiber toast. Yes, I eat toast. Or I'll have oats. Carbs are good. And we can talk more about that after. But I have oats in the morning and I uh, half a ripe banana and and, uh, that's how I sweeten it. And I'll put in a scoop of whey protein. I'll put in a bunch of seasonal berries and then I'll top it with a tablespoon of, of peanut butter. So delicious. Breakfasts are my favorite time of the day. Mid-morning snack, I'll have a bunch of different options. One of them might just be a palm full of nuts in the morning. I'm, I'm not as hungry, but I'm busy. I'm with clients. So maybe I'll grab 20 cashews or 20, actually 20 barucas. It's my favorite new nut, baruca from Amazon. Yeah. From the Amazon. Uh, yeah. Brazil. I was like, wait, which Amazon are we talking? Here? Well, you can buy the one Amazon, but it's from the Amazon. You can get it on Amazon. Interesting. I've never heard of that. Yeah. Baruca. Really good. And then lunch, it's usually different, but lately I've been ordering from either Fred Siegel, I'll get the vegetables with grilled chicken or from a sushi restaurant, I get a shirashi don, which is a bowl of assorted sashimi and veggies and seaweed and cucumbers, or I'll get this from Blue Jam Cafe. I'll get this pressed tortilla and inside is scrambled egg whites, grilled chicken, sauteed spinach, and some veggies, and it's really good. So that's the lunch. And then afternoon snack, I'll have either some edamame or I'll have an apple with peanut butter. And then dinner is always different, but it's a lean protein, veggies, whole grains. Last night, I did a stir fry, a shrimp stir fry with a bunch of veggies, shrimp, some rice, and some cashews for my healthy fat. So yeah, that's pretty stuff. What about dessert? <sighs> I've seen you post some healthy desserts before. No, I love real dessert. Okay. Almost every day on the low, because I hit my steps and I eat well and I, I do all the things I'm supposed to do. I'll find some really good chocolate chip cookie and I'll do that most days. Really? Yeah. That's surprising to me. I know. It's my <laughs> thing. Look, we all have our thing. And I think it's my thing you too, get to a certain you know. point in life. I know. I know. <laughs> Except I don't do the... The vegan, gluten-free, I, I want the most debaucherous, decadent <laughs> thing I can find. I want to tell you guys about a lifesaver when I was on my vacation. I promise I'm going to stop talking about my trip one of these days. I don't know if this is coming out before or after my episode on Italy, but that will be the last of it. However... I am, of course, talking about AG1 from Athletic Greens. I take it every day in the morning on an empty stomach, but especially when I'm traveling, it's just one of those micro habits that makes me feel so good, especially with jet lag and like in Italy when I was eating tons of pasta and cheese and meats and things that I don't normally eat. And I felt honestly kind of gross after a few days getting all of the amazing things that are in AG1 first thing in the morning really helped. So if you're wondering what exactly is in it, it has over 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, whole food sourced superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens. It really helps you start your day right. It helps to support gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, aging, all of the things. It's something that after taking it for so long, I really come to crave it in the morning. So I drink it on an empty stomach before I have my matcha or food or anything. And I just get this kind of like 
zip of energy, I feel. So one of the great things about AG1 is that you're getting the benefits of having this green drink without the sugar. So it has less than one gram of sugar, a lot of other green juices and stuff. Basically strip whatever you're getting of any of their nutrients and beneficial properties like fiber. And then they're super high in sugar. So that's not the case with AG1. It also has no chemicals or artificial anything. It still tastes really good. I kind of find it to be a little bit fruity, like almost like a pineapple with a little hint of vanilla, but it's super subtle. And I like to mix it with just a couple ice cubes and shake it up. And like I said, I really came to crave it. And it's just such a simple little micro habit that has so many benefits. It's really easy to incorporate into your lifestyle, especially if you're on the go with the travel packs. It's just so helpful. So Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash blondefiles. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash blondefiles to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. No one knows what you're looking for in a doctor better than you, and no one's better at giving you the tools to find the perfect doctor than ZocDoc. The people who created ZocDoc found the major pain points in healthcare, all of the things that weren't working, and said, enough. And they made booking a great doctor surprisingly pain-free. They also made finding a good doctor pretty pain-free as well. So being in a big city like LA, but I think wherever you are, it can be really hard to find a doctor, find a specialist for whatever your needs are. It's not always easy to just rely on word of mouth and reviews. ZocDoc really does the research and they have the network. And I've found so many amazing doctors in LA through ZocDoc. So basically it's a free app that shows you doctors who are patient reviewed, take your insurance, which is huge and available when you need them. You can read actual verified patient reviews and see what other real humans had to say about their visit so that when you walk into the doctor's office, you're set up to see somebody in your network who gets you. All you have to do is go to ZocDoc.com slash blonde. You choose a time slot and whether you want to see the doctor in person or do a video visit. And just like that, you are booked. So you can book something that works for your schedule with a doctor that is right for you. Every month, millions of people use ZocDoc and I'm one of them. It's definitely my go-to whenever I need to find and book a doctor. So go to ZocDoc.com slash blonde and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then start your search for a top rated doctor today. Many are even available within 24 hours. Again, that's ZocDoc.com, Z-O-C-D-O-C.com slash blonde, B-L-O-N-D-E and get started today, ZocDoc.com slash blonde. Hi, I'm Pia Berengini, the creative director of LPA, an entrepreneur, a wife, and a dog mom based in Los Angeles. This is my new podcast, Everything is the Best, where we basically ask interesting people, how did you go from zero to yacht? I'm always curious how the hell people became successful, and I figured you would be too. Get on the internet with me. Let's laugh, let's cry, let's overshare, and let's get inspired to live our best lives. Check out new episodes every Wednesday. It's all for you, baby. Thanks for listening. Love you, mean it. How depressed were you when I was in Italy and I was at a vegan, raw, sugar-free, gluten-free <laughs> dessert place? What What was that? That's not how. By the way, how is that allowed in Italy? How are the Italians allowed that to? That's like being in Canada and having the fake maple syrup. Yeah, yeah. 
I no. know. Well, so let me tell you, our tour guide was from Florence, very Italian, you know, also like just eating all of the Italian food. It was her idea because she was like, this place is incredible. You are not going to believe it. So I didn't even request it or anything. She took us there and I was with Nicole, who, you know, she's not like, she doesn't give a shit about any of that. And we were shook, like blown away. Like it was almost better than any of the other gelato and stuff that we had gotten. It was absolutely insane. I don't care. I don't even <laughs> want to know about it. I don't, there's, there's certain things that are sacrilegious. Don't take me to Japan and do fake sushi. Don't, don't take me and do fake gelato in Italy. It's just not, no. Well, we only did it that one time. And also I told you, I got really sick. I had a really bad stomach bug and the doctor there actually said, no more dairy. So I had to be very careful with what I was eating. But real gelato doesn't really, you know, there's a lot of great gelato without dairy. Yeah. And I had a lot of that too. Vegan, raw, gluten-free, <laughs> life-free, soul-sucking. Yeah. Next time you go to Florence, if and when, I'm going to give you the address of the place and you have to go and you have to try it because it's absolutely incredible whether you eat that stuff or not. I'm going to bring a stick of butter okay. and whatever they give me, I'm just going to put the stick of butter on top of <laughs> Okay. Deal. Also your wife, she has a bang in body. Can you give us, is her diet more or less like her, what, what she eats in a day, more or less the same as yours? She is a genetic anomaly, but she also, she does it all so well. When I met her, she used to be a runner. She doesn't run anymore. It really hurts her back. She walks, you know, she's in real estate. She runs her business from, basically walking as slow as a human being can possibly walk on a treadmill, not sweating, not hopping and puffing. And when she's not driving or eating or sleeping, she's walking really slowly. She socializes on the phone, walking. She meets her girlfriends for coffee. They walk. And she does resistance exercise about four days a week for half an hour. She focuses also on the posterior chain. She eats very well in the morning. She almost always starts off with her scramble. She eats more salads and vegetables than I do. But she, she doesn't have a sweet tooth like I have. She likes more salty, crunchy things, but she eats pretty well. And look, no one loves bread and butter more than her. She, that's her thing. She knows it. She owns it. So she eats perfectly so she can have her bread and butter sometimes. Somebody asked this, and since you mentioned it, I'm curious, like how much ultimately after all is said and done, if you're eating really healthy and balanced meals and you're working out and you're walking, you're doing resistance training, at the end of the day, how much of it does come down to genetics? Good question. Look, if someone eats the same, moves the same as someone else, and one person is 150 pounds and one person's 160 pounds, that 10 pounds might be genetics. But if someone's 150 pounds and someone's 240 pounds, it's not genetics. The 240 pound person can't blame it on either slow metabolism. There are small variations amongst all of us. Those variations can be hormonal, they can be skeletal, muscular, or they can be, you know, they range. But genetics does contribute significantly. I think the key is to focus on becoming the best us, not looking at someone else and say, I want to like them because they have different genetics than we do. I'll never be six foot five. Mm -hmm. That's just my genetics. So I think genetics play a huge role. But it's, it's irrelevant to think about genetics because we have no control over them. And, you know, focus on the things you do have control over, like what we eat, how much we eat, how much you move, what time you go to bed. Those are the things that you should focus on. 
I feel like so many of the questions that I got were from women who feel like whenever they work out, they get quote unquote bulky. And a lot of it was about like legs. They're like, when I work out my legs, I have really muscular legs and I want to be leaner. So I think when it comes to that, like how much of that is genetics? I know like for me, I've always been really petite. And I remember like back when I was mostly a fitness account, people would always ask me like, well, what do you do for this? And that? And I'm, I would be like, I don't know. That's just kind of how my body is. It's not like a humble brag, but like how much of that, how much of your muscle composition and shape and all of that is genetic? There's a big component. It's hard to put a number on it. I think we want like a percentage. <laughs> it's so hard I'm to say, I, let's, let's say up to 10% could be genetic up to, but less for most people. Okay. I think we talked about this in the last episode a little bit, but since we're talking diet, how do you feel about intermittent fasting? I know you just posted a recent study. You know, when it comes to any diet fad, I've been doing this, it sounds horrible. It's my fourth decade of doing this. <laughs> I've seen everything, Atkins own, Pritikin, paleo, keto, every single thing come and go. And certain are ones are just common sense. You know, one way I look at it as a parent is when a nutrition fad comes out, would I want my kids doing that? Would I want my kids to not put any nutrients in their body from 7 p.m. yesterday till 1 p.m. today? You know, would I want them to, to go 18 hours without eating? The answer is no. So why would I want to do it? And the research I had seen prior to the meta-analysis that just came out in those pretty meaningful studies that show that intermittent fasting really wasn't better. Also, I really, they weren't that compelling for me either. I thought I like food. I think food's important. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, food gives me energy. It gives me happiness. It gives me fulfillment. I don't like being hungry. Mm -hmm. And I like the socialization that comes with food. Food is sort of, it's a forced pause in the day. Lunch is there for a reason. You know, breakfast is a sort of a time of why I look forward to the day and plan what I'm about to do. And so I didn't really... I didn't buy a lot of the science that was questionably supporting it. And now we're, we know definitively there is no weight loss advantage at all to intermittent fasting. In fact, over an extended period of time, there's a theory that you actually lose lean muscle tissue, slow your metabolism down. So if it's something you do for a very long period of time, it could actually be detrimental in the long run. Mm -hmm. That being said, there's some there's some research showing for children who have epilepsy and don't respond well to certain medications, they might benefit somewhat from some intermittent fasting, but that's a very, 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 very niche uh, group. Mm -hmm. And my focus is making people look good, really. I don't even care if they're happy, just so they look happy, right? Mm -hmm. uh, so I'm not a fan of intermittent fasting, never have been. And now I can definitively say science supports me. Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, it's the people who lose weight intermittent fasting. It's just because they're in a calorie deficit, right? Yeah, it's it's they're eating less food. But you know, probably the the longest research that we have is Ramadan, and you have a couple billion people around the world that are, are Muslim, and during Ramadan, they really are the ones who came up with intermittent fasting, and they only eat during the hours of sundown to sunrise. So depending on the time of year, it's sort of 6.30 at night, they start eating 6.37. And then they, that's when they eat. So it's their one time of the day where they kind of gorge. And they actually gain weight over the 30 days on average. So it comes down to what you eat and how much you eat, not necessarily when you eat. And that's something we know. And I remember Oprah 
back in the day when she took a summer hiatus and she came back and she lost 60 pounds and she brought that wheelbarrow of fat out. And she said, this is what I lost. And she said, the key to it was not eating after 4 p.m. Okay, but how long can you do that? Yeah. You're never going to go for dinner? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, she ate less food, made better food choices. And for her, it took stop eating at four for it to happen. Not something I want to do or tell people to do, but for some people it works mm-hmm. for some time. And like I always say, almost every diet works for some people for some amount of time. Mm-hmm. But it's an inevitability that they won't keep doing it because it just doesn't work. And oftentimes it has like a rebound effect, right? Absolutely. You get the yo-yoing. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And so if you do something that's too regimented or doesn't bring you joy, you're probably going to rebel against it and start eating worse. Mm-hmm. We were talking about food and I forgot that I just got a smoothie and it was like sitting out in my other room melting this whole time. Sounds delicious. Mm. Mm. It's like half melted now. It's kind of gross. <laughs> my follow-up question to that was... Actually, I probably know the answer to this. What's more important, calories or macros? They're both important. I think for me, macros, I like to focus more on what are you getting throughout the day. And and I think if I know how many grams of protein, fiber, sugar, those are the things I look at most closely. But calories also talks to you about quantity of food. So I think they're equally important and and somewhat dependent on one another. Because if you have the right macros you're probably not going to eat as much calories as if you have the wrong macros. Mm -hmm. Eating the wrong macros that don't have enough satiety built in and a fiber, healthy fat protein, you're going to eat more calories. So they're they're both really dependent on one another and both important. A lot of people asked how to stop overeating, how to have better portion control and how to, I guess, curb cravings. So I feel like those would all kind of go together. And to your point, like if you're eating the right macros and focusing on that, you're not, you're going to be more satiated and not have that issue, right? Correct. Yep. Is there a number or like a rule to go by for how much protein women should be getting or men per day? Yeah. So the visual I like to give is each meal should be the mass of your hand. So it can be a fist, it can be a flat hand. It's not the palm, it's the whole hand, including the fingers and the thumb. That's how much protein you should get at breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And about a third of that for each snack. The other way to think of it is the RDA for the US, the RNI for Canada, the recommended daily allowance or recommended nutritional intake, historically has been 0.8 grams of protein per kilogram of body weight per day. So I'm 220 pounds, I'm 100 kilo. It's an easy number to use. So based on that, I should be getting at least 80 grams of protein a day. That's a low number. I think if you're an active person, the number is probably closer to 1.2 to 1.4 if you're trying to put on lean muscle. So if you use that number of 1.2, I should be getting 120 grams of protein per day, which is about 30 grams of protein at each meal and 15 at each snack. Really easy to follow. For someone like you, I think you're 20 kilo. What do you, 40 pounds? 45 yeah. pounds, yes. For you, it would be a lot less. <laughs> I feel like it's impossible when you're eating that much protein, it's impossible to overeat. It makes it much more difficult, you know, whether it be protein, fiber, healthy fat, the the holy trinity of satiety, you know, those three things make us feel fuller, faster and longer. It is definitely no secret, especially on this podcast that I am a beauty and skincare junkie. I 
love trying new products, but I'm also sensitive and it's hard to find products that I find to be actually effective. So when I do find those products, I am always really excited to share them with you guys. So when I had the ladies behind Clear Stem on my podcast recently, episode 163, if you want to go and take an acne and anti-aging deep dive, they gave me product and... I went into it with no expectations, but I've been incorporating it into my skincare routine ever since. And I have to say, I really love it. It really does work. So their philosophy is basically that a lot of anti-acne products can actually age you and cause acne. So Clear Stem is anti-aging, anti-acne, and non-toxic all at the same time. There's no pore-clogging ingredients, no hormone disruptors in any of Clear Stem's products. And they are designed to clear acne and stimulate collagen. So every single formula is equally anti-aging and anti-acne at the same time. So I am obsessed with Clarity. It basically dissolves blackheads. It has vitamin C. It has the perfect acid blend and a specific pH balance to unclog pores and dissolve away excess skin and oil. I recently had Dr. Whitney Bow on the podcast. I don't think the episode has released yet, depending on when this comes out, but she was actually saying that it's really important to actually order these pH strips. You can get them on Amazon because the pH of the products that you're putting on your skin actually really matters. So this is huge. And also the bounce back serum is amazing. It's nicknamed the no Botox serum. It's concentrated stem cell formula has been proven to reduce and prevent fine lines and wrinkles as well as reverse scarring. It's also acne safe, has zero toxins As with all of their products, my skin is really just bouncy and glassy when I use this combo. And then I told you guys I would report back on the body oil. And let me tell you, it is so good. You definitely need this. It's so hydrating. You'll get that gorgeous, dewy summer skin without irritation and like that greasy, heavy feeling that a lot of oils have. I try a lot of body products and I'm consistently underwhelmed or have a bad reaction. And this one is really incredible. So if you want to try Clear Stem, you can go to clearstemskincare.com and you can use the code BLONDE at checkout for 20% off your first purchase. Again, that's clearstemskincare.com. The code is BLONDE, B-L-O-N-D-E, for 20% off your first purchase. So I shared about this before, but I wanted to share about it again. Three years ago, one of my first guests on the podcast was Brandon Cohen. He's the founder of Liquid IV. And ever since then, I've been a Liquid IV devotee. I absolutely love this stuff. I drink it all the time. So I wanted to go back and look at exactly when it was because I felt like it was probably almost exactly three years ago from now. And He was actually my 15th podcast guest in July, 2019, which is so crazy because I think we're in episode 170 something and it's just kind of wild to think about that. So anyway, Liquid IV, if you're wondering what it is, it's a hydration multiplier. So basically one stick of Liquid IV in 16 ounces of water hydrates faster and more efficiently than water alone. It contains five essential vitamins, B3, B5, B6, B12, and vitamin C. And it has three times the electrolytes of traditional sports drinks. It's also made with premium ingredients. It's non-GMO. It has no gluten, dairy, or soy. But basically what makes liquid IV so effective is the science of 
their CTT, Cellular Transport Technology. It's designed to enhance rapid absorption of water and other key, key ingredients into the bloodstream. So I know you guys are into the science behind things. Theirs is very thoroughly researched and effective. And also Liquid IV is on a mission to change the world. This is something Brandon was so passionate about back when we recorded. And so it's really cool to see everything that's happened over the last three years. They've donated over 20 million servings globally, which is incredible. So I personally like Liquid IV before or after or during workouts, or if I'm just feeling kind of run down or sick, it's amazing if I'm traveling during and after flights and also to just have in water if I want a little flavor. My favorites are tangerine and watermelon, but they have so many good flavors or you can do unflavored if that's more your style. So you can grab Liquid IV in bulk nationwide at Costco, or you can get 25% off if you go to liquidiv.com and use the code blonde at checkout. That's liquidiv.com and the code is blonde, B-L-O-N-D-E. That's 25% off anything you order when you use that promo code. So make sure you do that. You can experience better hydration today at liquidiv.com, promo code blonde. Okay, a lot of people asked about snacking too. And you said what you like to have for snacks, but you're like very, you're you're just so healthy. You know, nuts and hummus and whatever. There are snack foods that you approve, right? Because I've I've been to your gym. You have so many amazing snacks there, like packaged snacks. Yeah, thank you. We, yeah, we have so many. I like the rhythm foods, those, the yeah, the dried broccoli, the dried vegetable chips. Yeah, I like those. I actually, I don't know if they're dried. I think they're air fried. Oh, I think um, they were like dehydrated, like the ones they with are. the carrots and the beets and the. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I don't know if they're dehydrated or air fried or, okay. or, or both, but there's certainly a little bit of oil in there and those are delicious. I like, there's this, uh, uh, it's this gold oat company from Quebec. They're really, really good. They make these bars out of oats and egg whites and whey and half a teaspoon of honey for sweetness. And I love those. I love, I was going to try to recreate those. I still need to do you that. Should. Yeah. I'd, I'd invest in that. I feel like it'd be easy. <laughs> you think, I don't know. They've been doing it for a while and everyone's tried to knock them off, but maybe you can do something different. That's Challenge almost as good. Accepted. Done. <laughs> I'll have a smoothie as a snack. My friend owns a company called Koya. Those are good. Hi, Chris. You, you had those um, snacklins or snackins. Oh, snacklins. Those, those are good. So good. Those are good. Crunchsters, oh those sprouted mung beans. Those are really mm-hmm. good. Yeah, there's a lot of fun packaged snacks out there. But when I can, I love to, if I can have some berries and a, and a Siggy's yogurt or something, I'm a happy guy. Mm-hmm. Okay. What do you think are the biggest nutrition lies out there? Oh, gosh. <laughs> if you can think of some off the top of your head. Yeah, I think the biggest one is, and we'll talk about, about this hopefully in about six months when the book comes out, but... I think the, this fear of carbohydrates, this illogical, irrational fear of carbohydrates. In the 70s, Dr. Atkins was a cardiovascular surgeon and had a lot of very overweight patients would come to him for heart surgeries and, and it would be dangerous for them to go under general. You know, So he would give them this extraordinarily extreme 
quick fix, rapid diet where they would cut out carbs and they would do it for 30 days to lose weight so they could have surgery. Now, by no means did he claim it was safe or healthy for you. He just, you know, if they didn't get heart surgery, it would be even worse. So whatever they could possibly do to, to lose weight quickly so they could go under general to get heart surgery. That was called the Atkins diet. It's not a sustainable diet. It's not good for you. And there was this whole movement towards this Atkins keto paleo diets. None of them really founded in a lot of science. And they, they threw out the baby with the bathwater. And by that, I mean, sugar is something we want to minimize, not carbohydrates. Mm -hmm. And if you look at the healthiest countries in the world with the lowest incidence of obesity, heart disease, most cancers, diabetes, they're all carbohydrate-based diets. Japan, white rice, mm -hmm. the Scandinavian countries with whole grains and breads and the Mediterranean countries with lentils and pastas and breads and all of these places base their diets on carbohydrates, but eat very little sugar. Mm. And that's, I think, something that, that is a fallacy that we need to get rid of carbohydrates. Mm -hmm. That a if you go to In-N-Out Burger and you have the animal style burger, which is a double burger with cheese wrapped in, in lettuce, somehow that's healthier for you. You're nodding because I'm sure you've done it, right? Yeah, yeah, I was just thinking I I'm, but I'm like one of those weird people that actually prefers that. Like I would rather have lettuce than a, than a bun. <laughs> yeah. Well, you're also the person who went to a raw vegan gelato place in Italy. So, <laughs> and I also, I also really like spaghetti squash. Like sometimes I would prefer spaghetti squash over <laughs> regular pasta just because I like the flavor. <laughs> I, I get that. I, you know, yeah. I do get there's a sweetness to the spaghetti squash. Yeah, and what are you talking about? <laughs> there's nothing more delicious than good pasta in this world. Um, oh, wait, I thought and I you think, were by agreeing the way, with me. <laughs> I think that the, to some extent we've all been brainwashed <laughs> and we, we find enjoyment in foods that had we been given different information before, we might not have found as much enjoyment in. I feel it. So, I, you know, the United States on trend with this low carb lifestyle has actually decreased their carbohydrate intake significantly. Americans eat way less carbohydrates today than we did 30 years ago. And since we have cut back on our carbohydrates, obesity has almost tripled, heart disease has almost tripled. So this low carb adaptation has been a massive failure. Don't be scared of carbohydrates. The Atkins diet, I remember people, you're not allowed to have carrots or red peppers or apples, but you can have all the bacon and lard you want. Does that make sense? That's like what you said in the last episode, I think that like, it comes down to common sense. Like so much of it is common sense, but common Correct. sense isn't like sexy and it's not like good for marketing. So much sexier to have some kind of like gimmick or fad. But when I was in Italy, I feel like, yeah, it's so carb based. You really don't see many obese people except for tourists. That's probably like an overgeneralization, but really, especially in like Puglia and that area, we really didn't see any obese people. And that's like all pasta. It's just so fresh, so, so fresh. And the portions are different and everyone's walking everywhere. I lost weight in Italy because we were walking so much and still eating like pasta and bread and vegan gelato. <laughs> I think... You know, you, you just said a few things there. Number one, you were walking. I think you walk a lot more in, in European places than we walk here in big cities like Los Angeles. I think, am I, am I wrong? You were walking a lot? Yeah, I was walking all the time. Good. You needed to. 
Everyone needs to, not you. I mean, all of us need to. <laughs> the second part of that is, is, is uh, quantities. You know, you're eating pasta all these places. I'm sure when the plate comes to you, it's more of a, an appetizer size. It's not a massive vat of spaghetti like we would do here, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I think the ingredients are really good ingredients and they're, they're seasonal. I never, I'll never forget the first time I went to Italy and I had a, a salad and I thought, oh, you know, it would be good in this garbanzo beans would be really good in this salad. And I asked for garbanzo beans. They said, oh, they're not in season. And I said, wait, season? You know, we think of garbanzo beans coming out of a can that you drain and rinse off. They really do adhere by the seasonal code of cuisine. And so the foods often tend to be more seasonal, more regional, more local, more nutrient dense, more recently picked as opposed to stuff that has flown across the world to have more of an international cuisine to it. So the foods sometimes can be more nutritious, but I think it comes down to the, the cultural part. They're walking where they're having smaller portions. They're doing something called a passeggiata. So after dinner, families in Italy get up and they walk together through the neighborhood and socialize. There's more community. There's, there's so many other variables that make them healthy, but food is delicious. Mm-hmm. Yeah, America sucks. <laughs> I, look, we're, I'm kidding. We're I'm kidding. So People are going to get mad at me. But ever since we got back, Nicole and I have been depressed and we're like, this sucks. <laughs> Everything sucks here. <laughs> it's also, you're, you're in a different mindset when you're somewhere else and you know, you're there totally. to discover and to explore and you're relaxed and you come back here and you're reading about the, the district attorney who's an idiot and being <laughs> recalled and guns and violence and all this crazy stuff. So yeah, it must be nice to be over there. But believe me, my Italian friends, their vacation is to come here to LA, yeah. go to Malibu and, you know, do all the great things here in the United States. So it's the grass is always greener. It's so true. I was on a Vespa tour and the guy that I was riding with on my Vespa, we were just talking about like LA and this was in Rome. And I think I said something. We were talking about Puglia and Rome and he said, well, yeah, Puglia, everyone's like nicer and happier and more relaxed. And here everybody is just stressed and like angry. And for me, my perception of it was the complete opposite. And he said like, but LA must be so different. Like everybody just must be so happy there. And I could see how people would come here and go to Malibu and go to wherever and feel like, you know, everyone here is shiny, happy, and when you're just kind of like plucked from one area and put into another, like you're seeing it through a different lens than if you actually live there. So I think we definitely romanticize places that we don't live for sure. hundred <laughs> percent. Shopping for new clothes can be time consuming and stressful. It can be super daunting. You never know if things are going to fit. Returns are always difficult. And sometimes you don't even know where to start. I don't know if this happens to you guys, but whenever I go shopping because I need something specifically, I cannot find that one thing that I need, but I want every single other thing that I see. And then other times if I just go because I'm in the mood to do some shopping and get some new stuff, I can't find one thing that I like. So instead of having to deal with the stress and the hassle of all of that, Stitch Fix has got you covered. You can say goodbye to endless browsing and hello to fresh picks curated for you, for your size and your taste. 
and it's super easy and fun to get started. So you just take a few minutes to set up your Stitch Fix style profile, and then you answer a few questions about what you like to wear, what you don't, and how open you are to trying new styles. And if you're like me, you love an online quiz. I don't know if you guys remember those BuzzFeed quizzes back in the day about like what kind of vegetable you are. Ever since then, if I see an online quiz, I am doing it. And the Stitch Fix one is really quick, but they ask you a lot of very thorough questions about how clothes normally fit you, where you typically shop. And then they give you a lot of different outfit options and you can say whether those are kind of your style that you like or the style that you're going for, or if just specific pieces are things that you like. And it's very thorough. So after you do that, their expert stylists will go to work. They'll find items exclusively for you. Everything is handpicked for you, unique to your size, style, and in your budget, making it the best way to discover clothes that make you look and feel your best. Stitch Fix will send you five pieces to try on at home, and then you can keep what you love and send back what you don't. Shipping, returns, and exchanges are easy and free, and there's no subscription required. So you can try it once, or you can set up automatic deliveries. There are no hidden fees ever. So sign up today at stitchfix.com slash blonde, and you can get $20 off your first purchase. Again, that's stitchfix.com slash blonde to get 20% off your first purchase. This is a limited time offer. So purchase within two days of sign up. Let's shift and talk about some fitness. We've been talking a lot about walking. And if people haven't listened to the first episode, they should go back and listen because we really get into it there. But we did have a couple questions here to kind of follow up on it. So if people are getting their steps, is it more beneficial to walk outside versus walk on a treadmill? Or is it just wherever you can get them in? Wherever you can get them in, you know, you just, you want to move your feet one foot in front of the next. I think it's just so important. We don't find any excuse to not do it. If you have access to a treadmill and then you want to multitask and type on the computer and talk and watch TV, then fantastic. If you don't need that, you can go outside and walk. You can walk up hills. You can walk on flat surfaces. Just moving your feet, carrying your own body, I think is really, really important. Can you burn fat from walking 10K a day? You can burn fat walking 1K. (laughs) I think 10K a day is, do you mean 10 kilometers a day or 10,000 steps? 10,000 steps. Yeah, that's, that's okay. I think if you're able to do more, I would maybe do more. 12,000 steps, I think, is, is good. And depending on what the client's goals are, maybe it needs to, to be 14,000 steps. A day. So everyone's different. But I think 10 is the bare minimum. 12 is better. And depending on who you are and your goals, some people are 14. What if somebody is at zero? And this is something I remember talking about before too, but even since we did that episode, people who did listen responded with like, yeah, but you know, I live in a small town. My schedule is crazy. I have all these kids. There's no gyms here. I can't get out and walk or I live somewhere where it's freezing. They had all these constraints, which I understand. But if somebody is at zero and they want to get more steps in, but maybe they can't be aiming for 14, what should they do? I think that no one's at zero. I mean, if you even get out of bed and take a few steps to the bathroom to pee, you've got 20. So I think there are some people that are definitely low and some people just their lifestyles or their financial situations or geographical and environmental circumstances preclude them from getting a lot of steps per day. But I think you've got to make efforts to do more. And for 
my wife and I, we have three kids and we're busy, but for us, walking is our family time. And so our kids from a really young age, they've learned we're going to walk. We're going to, you know, you guys want a treat today. You guys want ice cream. We're going to walk as a family to the ice cream shop. And if you live really far away, drive 10 blocks away, park your car and walk the extra 10 blocks. It should be part of the socialization that you do with not just your, your kids, your family, your loved ones, but your friends work. Meetings don't have to be seated. And I think we're in a new era today with technology where whenever possible, get up and move. If you have a job, you have a lunch break, walk most of that lunch break if possible. If you're in a cold climate, find a shopping mall and walk around that shopping mall. If you have access to a health club, fantastic, use the treadmills there. Whatever it is, wherever there's there's a will, there's a way. And no, maybe you're not going to get the 12 or 14,000 steps a day, but do the best you can. And that's all you can ask for. Should we have done this podcast walking? That would have been the move. That, do we have the technology for the sound? That's what I'm thinking. Like, I feel like there's got to be a way. We need to walk to do this. I think that's that's the, the real, that's smart. Yeah. Maybe that should be a new series, like walking and talking. Walking and talking. Well, I did a pilot for a show called Walking with Harley. <laughs> no way. And it was, yeah. And so, every, you know, Jack Black was on my first episode. <laughs> the guest, it's like comedians in cars getting coffee. Yeah. And the guest would pick the walk. And the walk has to be somewhere that's special to you. So for Jack, it was the... Laurel and Hardy stairs in Silver Lake because so much of his physical comedy came from Laurel and Hardy. And then I was supposed to do Amy Schumer next. And for her, it was going to be uh, in New York, the comedy clubs that she would do the circuit through there. And we were going to walk by there. So it didn't happen. So thanks for reminding me about my failures. (laughs) Well, maybe somebody is listening to this from some network or something and it will be revived. Wouldn't that be good? So you're welcome. That would be a lot of fun. It's a great idea. And I hope nobody takes the podcast idea walking and talking because I think that's, I think we're on to something here. So if somebody is starting, say that their fitness routine, they're not walking or they're walking a little bit in their life, but they're not, you know, getting a lot of steps in and they're not doing any other kind of training. What do you think is more important or, and people did ask this, like, I only have 40 minutes a day that I can commit to working out. Should they focus on walking or resistance? Walking. I, I mean, I, I, look, I, I think walking is... When, when I start with a new client, as you remember, mm-hmm. if you're not walking and you're not moving and you're just doing resistance exercise earlier, you said there's some women that complain, oh, I'm, I'm working out and I'm getting bigger. Mm-hmm. That's probably because they have a surplus of calories. They're probably eating incorrectly. They're not, they're not burning calories chronically through movement like steps and they're just doing resistance exercise stimulating the muscles so if i was to triage things sleep and food come first then walking and and then comes resistance exercise interesting what are your thoughts on resistance exercise like pilates bar yoga that kind of thing i think they're all different they all have their own things that they're good for i think at the end of the day, whatever gets people excited about moving, I support as long as I profit from it in some way. I think that's the key mm-hmm. that if I can find a way to profit off of everyone all the time. Totally. Yeah. I think when it comes to walking, that's important. When it comes to resistance exercise, challenging your body in a way that's intense enough to elicit some little tearing of the fibers in a way that they recover and come back stronger and tighter and denser than before. 
um, whether it be your body weight, dumbbells, kettlebells, cables, Pilates, yoga, it's resistance. I think what's good about yoga is there's breathing things, there's meditative things, there's flexibility. I think balance, those, that's what yoga is good for. Yoga does not replace the other things. I think yoga is more complementary than anything. Then Pilates, which is all about the tiny stabilizer muscles. If someone has six weeks to get in the shape of their life for a role in a film, they're probably not going to do it through Pilates. But if someone has a weak core or you know a, a bad back, I think there's aspects of Pilates that can teach people to connect with small stabilizer muscles, especially in their core, that otherwise is difficult to do. So for that, I think it's great. But if you want a great butt, you want a great posture, toned arms, I wouldn't say Pilates is the primary way to go, but it's definitely a great complementary form of exercise to traditional resistance exercise. Let's talk about toned arms. You know, this is of particular interest to me. A lot of women, it, Harley is showing his ripped arms right now. He's rubbing it in because he knows that I, that my arms are my problem area. <laughs> Nobody <Yes>. can says. <laughs> and, I, and I got a lot of questions about that too. I think for women in particular, like the, the arms are problematic. So, you know, my solution, my solution is lipo. But what are some ways that uh, the listeners can target that area? For those of you who don't want to spend tens of thousands of dollars and risk your life and, you know, they have scars and, and it comes back inevitably and you want to do it through exercise, then it can be done through eating well and exercise and patience, something that some of us have more than others. So the, the key to great arms is really focusing on the triceps. The, the back of the arm. I don't do much bicep work with my clients, especially female clients. Not directly. We hit our biceps when we do lumboids, rowing motions, when we hit our lats, pull downs or pull ups. But directly training is more about the tricep and strengthening the triceps through, through triceps extensions or cable tricep push downs or anything to strengthen the back of the arm. Because when you strengthen the back of the arm, it kind of gives the illusion of a longer, leaner arm. And it also helps with posture because it externally rotates your arm back and pulls your body back into this longer, leaner aesthetic. So that's, I think, really important. You mentioned when you were talking about Pilates, that if somebody was getting ready for a role and they wanted to get in like crazy shape and they had a short amount of time to do it, they would be doing more resistance. On the last episode, you talked about how your approach used to be for that, but what is your approach now? And then somebody also asked, what is the secret to Kiernan Shipka's abs and arms? <laughs> Kiernan's awesome. Um, <laughs> She, her abs are insane. She just wore, I mean, we work out two days a week together, sometimes three, but she hits her steps seven days a week. She eats pretty darn clean. She's not, doesn't, not, a, not a sweets person so much. Damn it. But like, she's tiny, but she is tiny. She does the most weight of, all, of any female client I have and almost any male client I have in a lot of posterior chain movements. So she, I've seen her use 60 pound dumbbells, a pair of 60 pound dumbbells to do stiff leg deadlifts on hamstrings. And she's tiny. And so I think the key with her is she's not scared of really challenging her muscles and her bodies in a safe way. And whether it be abdominals, hamstring, glutes, whatever it is, she gets it, she gets it hard. 
but she knocks out the steps on the other days and her food and, and she keeps track of her sleep and she's, um, she's awesome. Yeah. And she doesn't go on six month vacations. <laughs> we established two, but okay. Noted. Once again, I feel attacked. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Is it better to train five to six days a week for 30 minutes or two to three days for an hour? Or because of what you just said, maybe time doesn't matter as much, but is it better to do like two to three days a week resistance, like really hit it hard or spread it out, do something daily and maybe not as hard? I'm a big fan of shorter, more frequent workouts rather than longer, more exhaustive, less frequent workouts. Mm-hmm. When I was a, a bodybuilder back in the day, I, my workouts Humble were about brag. 25 minutes. What's, what's that? Humble brag. Well, I didn't say I won anything or I was good at it, but you know, so anyways. I really wish we had this whole thing on video. Now he's showing photos of his bodybuilding days. I'll make sure to use this clip as a, as a promo. All my, all my gay friends, when they come to my office and they see the bodybuilding photos of mine, they, they think I was probably an adult star in the gay industry, gay adult entertainment industry. I wasn't, um, but it's a big compliment because they have a very high threshold of what they consider a fit body. So thank you. It's true. Um, it's a big compliment. So I would say shorter, more frequent workouts. We know scientifically that even as short as five minutes of resistance exercise can make you stronger, can, can change your body. And so there's no need to do these, these long, exhaustive workouts. In fact, I think people overtrain as it is. They work out for too long at a given time. And so shorter, more frequent workouts is something I've always been a fan of. In fact, probably for the first five or six years I lived in the United States with my practice, my sessions were all 25 minutes. And I had 20 people a day coming every 30 minutes, bang, 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 bang. And the only reason that I, I don't really do that as much anymore is because there's traffic in Los Angeles and people tend to run late and I don't want them to miss half their workout because of that. Or, you know, they want to talk about other things. And so I don't want anyone to ever feel rushed. But if someone is 30 minutes late for the workout, we'll get everything we need to get done. Well, I guess you kind of just answered that, but like how much, how much exercise is too much? How does someone know if maybe they're overdoing it? Chronic fatigue, muscle soreness that doesn't go away, muscle soreness that's unilateral or just on one side of the body, not bilateral, both sides of the body. Sometimes depression can come along with overtraining, flu-like symptoms, the fear of going back to exercise when you're like, I don't want to do this anymore. You're probably doing something wrong. Exercise should be something fun, exciting, stimulating, invigorating. And to do it, I think, in, in small bouts more frequently would help reduce your chance of overtraining. What about recommendations for someone who feels like they've plateaued? Like they're not seeing any progress. They're not losing any weight. Well, I think variation is key. We talked about this last time when I was in grad school, I created something called MVT or multiple variation training, which was based on some other science called the general adaptation syndrome by Dr. Hans Seeley won the Nobel prize, which basically is if you keep exposing an organism, we are an organism to a stimulus, and in this cage exercise, that organism is forced to overcome, adapt to that stimulus. So if you give it the same exercise over and over and over again, or at some point your body's already gonna have adapted to it and won't need to change anymore. So it's important you keep changing the workouts, the duration, I mean, the intensity, the sets, reps, cadence, angles, 
grips. You know, sometimes we'll do jump lunges for lower body and other times we'll do a dumbbell lunge or a reverse lunge. And sometimes we'll do high reps, sometimes we'll do low reps. We'll do everything to mix it up. So we avoid that plateau. So our body keeps changing. If you want your body to keep changing, the program has to keep changing. Interesting. I like that. Since you mentioned jump lunges, what are your thoughts on HIIT? Uh, high intensity training just means super intense training. Some people really like it. I'm not a huge fan. I, I don't think it's necessary. I think the human body's natural tendency is to avoid pain and discomfort. I think we we prefer to do things that are enjoyable. I don't think you need to do things that are super high intensity. I don't like combining cardio and resistance exercise. I think they they don't need to be combined. And I think that you it's at a cost. It, it'll take away some of the the resistance benefits because your body is going to be tired before the muscles are tired. And so you get central fatigue. You as a person get tired as opposed to, I want you to be able to talk to me through our workouts. And I want you to, your heart rate to be sort of below a certain threshold. I want the muscles to give out. I want you to say, my legs won't work anymore. Not, I can't breathe anymore. When you say cardio, do you mean walking? When I say cardio, I mean steps. So it can be walking or stepping or dancing or jogging or anything to do with steps. Got it. Is the key to fat loss more nutrition or more fitness, do you think? Is the key to fat loss more about nutrition? Key to fat loss is a combination, right? It's, it's, it's like, what is the key to growing a, a flower air or water or sunlight? You really need all three. And I think the key to fat loss is chronic movement through steps. So you're burning calories. I think it's eating properly, eating well to make sure that your functional calorie deficit, eating the right macronutrients and the right composition. And I think it's resistance exercise to make sure you're keeping your metabolism stoked. And I think it's sleep. Sleep plays a huge impact on weight loss. Mm -hmm. And we talked a lot about that in the first episode. So people can go back and listen to that. I guess I'll close with this. Everyone likes to hear some tea. Do you have any celebrity body secrets we need to know? Um, I mean, yeah, I know everyone's secrets, but that's why they're secrets, right? Okay. But not like, I know you wouldn't talk about that, but what about like, maybe like best kept secrets when it comes to like celebrities, what they do to get their bodies or keep their bodies in shape or how they approach a role or something, just some like, some tidbit. Give me something sexy here. Come on. <laughs> Where do I, oh gosh. I mean, they listen to what I say. So everything we've talked about today, that's what they do. That's why I'm still doing this 31 years after the fact. Uh, all I can say is certain celebrities that you think are vegan are not. <laughs> certain celebrities that purport that they eat certain magic ingredients or take certain supplements because they may have had an endorsement. Oh, I've got some good ones. There were one, two, three extraordinarily high profile transformations of female celebrities a number of years ago, like big transformations. The news was going crazy, 60, 70 pounds transformations. And those people at different times signed a deal to be the spokespeople for a certain weight loss company. And that weight loss company took the credit for all the weight loss, even though they signed the deal after they already lost all the weight with me. And I was not allowed to speak on the topic three 
I mean, very famous people, massive transformations. So the transformations happened with you and then they signed a deal after that was already done and then attributed it to the deal or the company. And I don't blame the clients, you know, they, they, they're in business to make money and I get it. And they put the work in and they look great. And someone recognized their transformation and, and paid them to speak on behalf of their systems. <laughs> yeah, but that's, but so... if the general public really, really knew that they did not lose the weight that way, that would have been spicy, <laughs> but that's, and terrible. I got offered a crap load of money to not say anything. You take it? No, really? I did not take it. Yeah, I was just the clients were good people, and they they worked hard, and they paid me for my time, and um, and so I didn't want to out them or or take away from their business and their ability to make their own money. So no, I I, I didn't take money. There's others. There's a couple. There's three very well known entertainers right now who've lost a lot of weight in the last two years, and they've gotten a lot of press. I'm not going to say who they are. You can guess. One of them has publicly thanked me. Their PR, their, whoever their PR people has. If you Google my name and their name, I'm the reason why they've lost this massive amount of weight. I've never met the person. I don't know them <laughs> at all. And the other, the other two, I believe, are taking a drug called Wegovy or Ozempic. It's like an appetite suppressant for diabetics. It's a shot you do every week. So they're taking that, that and some other drug. It's a shot. Yeah. I have heard about this. I've heard about one celebrity for sure who was doing it, who has lost a lot of weight and looks very thin, especially for her body type. I don't know if we're talking about the same person. And then I heard about another model who was doing it as well. Yeah. I, I, would I shoot my kids up with the needle for this stuff? No. What does it do? Um, Is it like a stimulant? eat a little bit better and walk a bit more. Yeah. What does it do though? Is it a stimulant or appetite suppressant? How does it work? And what, what is the name of the doctor and where do, where does one go? To get you wouldn't know you're going just, back on vacation. So you, you, know. <laughs> you didn't answer my question though. How does it work? Uh, I don't know. And it's an appetite suppressant. I don't know oh. the, the, the pathways of how it works, but actually yeah. the problem is I don't think science does either. Ooh. They just, um, it's for diabetics, brittle diabetics. And they noticed that when they were giving to them, one of the side effects was a, a reduction in appetite. So they started using it on people to lose weight. Yikes. Not for I me. did all that. I did all Not that with cocaine either. and Adderall. It didn't end well for me. <laughs> right. Right. The <laughs> breakfast of champions. Yes. Didn't, didn't really go very well. Okay. So I can't remember if I asked you last time. I probably did. But one thing people should stop doing and one thing people should start doing. Stop cutting carbs at the expense of nutrients. Focus more on cutting sugar than cutting carbohydrates. Understand the difference between them. So I think that's something that they should do less of. What was the second question? Something to start doing. (laughs) Something to start doing would be probably training your glute medius. Your glute medius is the part of the outside of the butt. And so if you do an exercise, if you Google active clamshell or clamshells, opening the legs up, strengthening the glute medius is such an important thing, not only for the aesthetic of your butt, but for function. And you'll reduce your, you know, certain knee injuries and foot injuries and lower back injuries and, and, and Achilles injuries and calf strains 
could be reduced by strengthening that muscle, that glute medius, and you know whether it be active clamshells, clamshells, or a seated abduction machine in a gym, do that more often. And you have videos on your page, on your Instagram. Are you ever going to come out with an app? I'm on the okay. um, Allo Moves platform. Allo Moves and Form Life, F-O-R-M-E-L-I-F-E, formlife.com. Form, yeah, those. I'm now, for the first time in many years, allowed to do an app as of six days ago. Amazing. Yeah, yeah. So maybe people will be able to find that in the future. Yes. Let's, anyone out there, you want to do an app, let's go. I'm ready. First time I can do it. Let's do it. Amazing. Well, if you need anyone to train on your app, I'm available in a few months. <laughs> Where can everyone find you? <laughs> everyone can find me on Instagram, Harley Pasternak, or you can buy any of my books on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, or any other book resellers, whether it be Five Factor Fitness, Five Factor Diet, Five Factor World Diet, Five Pounds, Body Reset Diet, Body Reset Diet Cookbook, and the imminent book that will be coming out in March. You'll have to come back on. Let's go. Let's fucking go. All right. Thank you. (laughs) I hope you enjoyed that episode. If you liked it, and if you like the show in general, please take a second to rate, review, and subscribe. It goes a long way, and it's actually the best way to support the show. Also, if you want to see more about each episode, you can head over to the Blonde Files podcast on Instagram. I'm always posting about each episode there or over on my personal page at Ariel Laurie. 